What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Discussing NFT Art Art History. Today, myself and JL, the artist, a.k.a. Jeremiah Long, we're talking about Bitcoin NFTs. Yeah, we're talking about an introduction to Counterparty, the Bitcoin amazing hub. I can't wait for you guys to learn more about it. I can't wait to learn more about it. And stay tuned because we have some great content coming up in just a second. That is right. Thank you so much for that amazing intro, Mr. NFT Logan. That is right. I am Jeremiah Long, a.k.a. JL the Artist, your host here on Discussing Art. And I am so excited to be talking about early NFTs. And I just wanted to bring up this image before I get into the depths of what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be focusing mainly today on the Bitcoin NFT platform what some people say started it all with NFTs, Counterparty. Counterparty is an awesome Bitcoin blockchain-based platform that is still in existence today. There are still amazing pieces of art that are historic on there and being minted now, including my own collection called Test Gallery that we will just briefly be taking an overview of and just checking out for the purposes of discovering how the Bitcoin NFTs exist, what are they, how they're put together, and how you could make your own Bitcoin NFTs so that you can be on the same platform as the most iconic the NFTs that started it all back in 2014. So this is something, uh, Logan, that I know we've talked about some, but I think people are often surprised to know, given the popularity of NFTs today and how huge NFTs were in 2021, that quality NFTs, something that you would think of as an NFT, the amazing art and um, the stories, the artists themselves and the, the storylines behind why these things are great go all the way back to 2014 and even earlier with some other particular items. So how does that um, really affect you, like your view of NFTs and, and what you think about the landscape of them? Well, like, like we've talked about here on the show before, right? It, it's NFTs have kind of become more wildly popular, right? You see on Twitter, Discord, and other social platforms that, you know, famous celebrities, artists, uh, athletes, their profile pictures are NFTs, right? Whether whether it's Bored Apes, whether it's, it's the it's bananas, it's it it's it, it differs, right, for just whatever their style is. And it's kind of it's crazy to believe that, you know, eight years ago, back in 2014, that it's kind of when all this really kind of started getting going and it got some traction. And now we're, you know, like we are, we're looking back on these historical pieces and looking at just the trajectory, how well they've done. And, you know, especially how lucky you could have been if you would have got if people would have got into this way back in 2014 and really got ahead of the curve. And because, I mean, they're doing very successful now, I can tell. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that we don't really discuss on discussing art is um prices and markets and values we kind of stay away from you know those and one of the main reasons and i'll just you know give a very quick note to this to our listeners and viewers is because those things change really rapidly and they can go way up they can go way down they can influence why you would want to be a holder of some of these pieces of art but here on discussing art we like to keep it all about the storyline the art itself 
and the history of amazing NFTs. Price action can move up and down. And just so that you know, we're talking about legendary NFTs across the board here. So on some of these assets, you may not even want to know what it is that people are willing to give for these. Because <laughs> <laughs> these are some absolutely valuable assets in in a lot of people's view of things. So just know that nothing we say here is intended as financial advice. And you should do your own research before even looking at any of these pieces of art or looking at any sort of investment of any type. So just know that here discussing art, we're not giving you financial advice. We're just talking about amazing art and talking about amazing stories behind art. So that being said, I want to talk some about the counterparty platform. What is Counterparty? I'm going to go straight and show you from the source the very stripped down, laid back, not very like, quote, impressive looking website for Counterparty itself. Now, what is so funny to me with Counterparty, as I jumped in and started to learn about Counterparty and started to get ready to mint my own Bitcoin NFTs, is that the Counterparty.io website itself is just kind of the place you go to find out about how to get involved. The actual place that you're going to go to look at the assets are onto Bitcoin NFT explorers that show you things such as the Counterparty Network over on Xchain. So Xchain is the actual website where I go to view NFTs on the Bitcoin blockchain that are minted through Counterparty. And so that... Just, just to say, like, as you, as you just listen, just listen and find out some amazing information. You don't have to absorb everything, and you can go back and rewind this video later, or listen back to the podcast and find out this information again if it's kind of overwhelming. Because for me personally, starting to get into this at first, I took it very slow and I did a large amount of research. So as I flash this, this is a very, you know, if you're watching our video version, this is the test asset. This is the very first NFT that was minted over on the Counterparty platform back on January the 13th, 2014. Three days from now, we will be hitting the eighth anniversary of the test asset. So shout out to the test asset community and the holders of the test asset and everyone who knows about NFTs and NFT history, because you know that this is an anniversary that is very meaningful to the NFT community and will grow in prominence as more people get to know what counterparty is and what the test asset particularly is. So just to let you know that the test asset is not an, a piece of NFT art. It is an NFT in the fact that it is a tokenized piece of data that is ownable, transferable, and is locked to a specific data point as an, you know, as having an owner and having an amount available and a single issuance. That's what all, all these things are the hallmarks of what we call today non-fungible tokens or NFTs. So I'm just going to point out a couple of the things that make the test asset an NFT and what and or at least a pseudo NFT in some people's view of things. And why is it that this is an item that built up so much history from the beginning? So the test asset has several of the homeworks you need to be known as a non-fungible token. It has a name. It's the, the name is test. Here's the asset name. It has a quantity. The total quantity of this item is 400 total tokens. 
So, you know, that already gets into some debate whether a, a, a token can be non-fungible if there are more than one of them. Well, that debate is settled by this section here called divisible. If an item is divisible by a whole number, so if there's 400 of them, I can't sell you 0.5 of them, right? Or I can't transfer you 0.5. That makes it a whole number divisible item. So in NFT world, we think of items that are whole number divisible by single items, meaning that if it says 400 quantity, then there aren't really a thousand quantity that, you know, if you were to cut it into pieces, then that item saying it's divisible and saying that it's false that it's divisible is one of those early things that defined nfts the other thing that is important to a lot of people to know whether the fungibility factor passes the test is whether it is quote locked which means in the in the counterparty platform and on the counterparty um way of doing things it means whether or not you can issue additional tokens or not so now that there are 400 total tokens at this time and the item is, quote, locked, then there can never be more tokens issued. And so as that's why I like to show this particular asset as an example on Counterparty, because when we start getting into the amazing art and the amazing uh, projects that exist on Counterparty, such as Spell of Genesis, Rare Pepe's, Test Gallery, Saratobi Island, and many other really cool ones and smaller ones and some newer ones, then I just wanted to show you the most basic version of how this all came about so that as it grows, that you know that the art associated with these tokens later on or shortly after they were created is another facet of an NFT, but an NFT does not have to be art. So that's something that is very important. So here I would like to show you just a couple of these other very boring but very interesting if you're an nft archaeologist tabs this is the issuance tab under the test asset so issuances shows when items where a quantity of the token were issued or minted so according to the data here which you can publicly see this is all publicly available data if you go to the website eight years ago which was on january the 13th 2014 1,000 test assets were issued. So shortly after that, you know, you had seven years ago the ability to uh, transfer uh, and some of these assets were, you know, uh, one of the uh, usefulnesses of it was that you could transfer it. So seven years ago, someone was, you know, testing out transferring it. So then you see just two months ago, two more actions have been taken under the issuance tab. And what those actions do is they locked the quantity of the token so that it can never be issued again. And then another thing that is in interesting and important to check out is where there were originally a thousand of the tokens issued about two months ago when the token was first rediscovered and was first made available to, to collectors to, to be a part of the test asset community. The first thing that happened is the creator of test, which is an anonymous person, they delete or not deleted, but they burned and destroyed 200 of the tokens, and that left a remaining 800 total tokens left in the system. Well, what happened after that was amazing. In a act of decentralization, the test asset community came together with the test asset creator, and the test asset creator, what he did is he issued a sub token, which is called a dividend. 
And that subtoken is called share. And just, I promise I will go through this stuff very fast because I know it can be very mind numbing. But that asset actually contained instructions within the data about the item. And here's that data for the current um, item. And it gave us the ability to vote whether as a test asset holder, if we should burn an additional 400 of the test assets, leaving 400 total quantity remaining. And the test asset community voted and they elected to do just that, to burn or destroy another 400 quantity of the asset, which can never come back, which are completely gone now. And that remains. So now we have the original test asset, the original NFT, some would say, with 400 total quantity remaining, locked, which means it can't be issued any further, non-divisible, which means you can't sell somebody a half of a test asset. It has to be one complete test asset. So those are just some broad overviews of what a t you know the test asset is, an example of an asset on the exchain slash counterparty platform, which is a BTC or Bitcoin NFT platform. And the fact that this tokenization and all of this, these things that happened with it and the idea of it actually started and occurred back in January of 2014. So as we go through, I'm going to just flash back to this front page and just mention, as you see these other assets here, the process of putting those assets together as NFTs, separately from the art itself, we have these amazing artists that created this beautiful artwork to go along with the idea of each of the tokens. But when I show the test asset, everything underlying each of these assets also underlies the test asset. And therefore, the reason that we think of test and everything going forward with that as non-fungible tokens is the same reason that today we think of all these non-fungible token art pieces as as single assets that are transferable and digital and verifiable with their own individual certificates of authenticities known as non-fungible tokens or NFTs. So, yeah, and I know that can be a lot to absorb. It can be a lot to to, um, to even talk about. So, Logan, what is your uh, thought process as I show the uh, the technicalities behind the test asset? I mean, like you said, it, it, it can be a lot, right? But it is important to understand kind of just where, where all this came from, where all it comes from, uh, it, just because it can show you, like I said, the, the growth, what all went behind it, and just how important all of it is to, you know, be, to to all of this that's going on right now. And, it, and like you said, it can be kind of dull and whatnot, but we're here on the show to, to liven things up, right? To make it energetic, make it fun, make it easy. And Absolutely. you did a great job on that. Round of yeah, applause, thanks. buddy. Thank you. Well, yeah. And so I'm going to go in and just um, mention a couple other very important or known um, NFTs that came from the counterparty platform. And of course, this is a very broad, very basic overview just to get you get to get you jumping down the rabbit hole. So while I'll show a bunch of these and get you, you know, acclimated to this, we won't go into the history of each one because the history of each of these projects could will can and will be a show all to themselves. So as we go along, the next one I'd like to just mention is the image on the upper right side that you may think is just a blank white image, but if you look closely, you'll notice that inside of that image are two people kissing, a man on the right, uh, left side and what appears to be a woman on the left side. 
So that particular asset is known as Olga. Olga is an asset that's also on exchange slash the counterparty platform. It was issued also in 2014. And it is also, to a lot of people, is known as one of the very first art-based NFT assets. Now, this one is very interesting for its own reasons. It is locked, as we see here. And that's why I wanted to give you that primer before I showed you this so that you understood some of these assets um, and some of the uh, things behind them. It is not divisible, which means there can only be a single token at a time transferred. And there's only one. There is only one Olga asset. So if I look back one more time to issuances, now that we are a little more familiar with issuances, you see that this item was also issued eight years ago at block 305-451. That was, if I'm not mistaken, we're going to look at the actual date, but the date was 6-12-2014. So May the 12th, 2014 or sorry june the 12th 2014 was when this asset was issued originally so that is a long long many years before CryptoPunks, many years before board apes many many years before board apes and so these are you know historic assets for that specific reason so i'm going to jump over real quick and let someone who knows much more than i do kind of talk a little bit more about the timeline on olga so this is jp jansen jp jansen is the issuer of the olga token and this is just a real quick overview um about some of the details about the olga timeline so you know, um, some people consider Olga to be one of, if not the first NFT ever created because of the art attached to it. It is one of, it was definitely one of the first NFT tokens of all time that had art attached to it. So Olga um, is a token that was minted through two Bitcoin transactions. First, the first set the supply at one indivisible token with a description. And the second locked the supply, meaning no more tokens with this name can ever be issued on the counterparty standard. So then there's links to the actual um, um, transactions themselves. So it says, Comet, this token was minted as a gift to my girlfriend, now wife, one and only. It translates to my eternal one and only. The symbolism is self-explanatory. I thought of it as a relation, quote, relationship token, and it turned out to be a non-fungible token way ahead of its time. It is indeed the first locked one-of-one one token on Counterparty. That is awesome. Well, so in um, August of 2015, he says, um, the artist says, I embedded a short text and a sketch drawing of Olga and me in a Bitcoin transaction. That, that means... My dear eternal Olga, congratulations with your name day. The image is a pencil drawing I made. And so that is original artwork attached to the actual platform. And here is a mention in March of 2021 when the Olga asset and the Olga asset NFT art was discovered. So that's just something amazing. And as we go through, and I'll let you, um, I will put links to these items in our in our uh, description so that you can take a look for yourself. The um, the item is put out, and uh, in uh, there were times when you know people felt that they should sell it. You know that you know they weren't sure if they should. And then um, the you know the idea of should you know the item be sold, and the item was put up for eighty eight point eight eight. 8888 Bitcoin or about $4 million at the time. 
Well, in August, the offer was withdrawn because the original creator, uh, J.P. Jansen, decided that, you know, with explosive interest in vintage tokens and the provable demand for old Bitcoin, uh, you know, collectibles, they felt that it was a good idea to hold on to the item and just, you know, let this piece of historic art stand as it is for now with the original owner being the original person in control of the asset. So shout out to them for, you know, being the artist for creating and being so forward thinking in creating this item, you know, and some things to say about items like Olga and Test and items like that. They're experiments. They were experimenting to see what could be done. And that's the best part of technology is as we come together and come up with amazing things that we can do and different things we can do, those early pioneers are always going to be looked back on as some of the amazing people that really started it all. So I wanted to jump over and just briefly mention you know, some of the history of non-fungible tokens and how the counterparty platform fits into that history. So if you look through here, you know, many of the um, big cultural phenomenons such as crypto punks, rare pepes, and crypto kitties all started off as these early pieces of NFT art. So, but, but things actually were occurring long before that that some people could consider the journey towards NFTs. So the, the original items that were considered in that journey towards NFTs are called colored coins. Colored coins is the idea that emerged if you take a Bitcoin and you represent a real world asset, then attach it to that particular Bitcoin, then the Bitcoin each and and just you know as a side note, each Bitcoin itself, even though it may seem hard to understand or hard to grasp, uh, each single Bitcoin also has its own serial number and its own way of tracking it and its own issuance because it because each Bitcoin was issued at a certain time at a certain block number. So that you're able to associate contemporary, you know, contemporaneous data with each Bitcoin so that you can attach it to things like digital collectibles, coupons, property, company shares, etc. So that was an experimentation that was going on in 2012 and 2013. Well, in 2014, Adam Dermotti, uh, sorry, uh, Robert Dermotti, Adam Krellenstein, and Evan Wagner founded Counterparty, a peer-to-peer -peer financial platform and distributed open-source internet protocol built on the Bitcoin blockchain. Counterparty allowed asset creation and decentralized exchange, thus just providing a way for users to create their own tradable currencies. It had numerous ideas and opportunities all across it, including meme trading without counterfeit issues. And what they mean by that is being able to take a meme that you make and this was something that people were very protective of at different times. And if you spend a lot of time on Twitter, then the there are a lot of people who are like, hey, I'm the one who originated this one particular meme, and I'd like to get credit for it. So one of those, that need led itself to people going over to the counterparty platform and tokenizing memes and tokenizing the names of memes as a way of kind of doing a land grab of sorts at the time. So that was something that was really important and started off things. And just as you see, you know, when we start with the history of NFTs, we started off with with Colored Coin in, you know, 2012, 2013, but then once Counterparty was started in 2014, the next few highly mentionable and highly historic projects in the NFT world all existed on Counterparty. And that included 2015's Spell of Genesis. Spell of Genesis is an awesome um game that um that launched and was very popular at the time. 
trading cards coming across in 2016, including Force of Will, which was you know one of the four, it was the fourth ranked card game in America in North America by sales volume at the time. And then you get into some of the other meme type trading platforms and, and importance, Rare Pepe's, and Rare Pepe's was a specific meme that you know had this interesting fraud character that had an intense fan base for many years. And some of the origins of Rare Pepe's actually comes from the alt-right movement, but you know it wasn't very long after this meme began to really get into culture that it was taken up and um, moved into away from being you know what put, could potentially have you know um, negative connotation onto being about art commerce and um, diversity honestly there's a lot of very diverse artists in the rare pepe community now um, underrepresented artists bipoc artists and music artists and people that you know extend well beyond the original actual meaning of the rare pepe or the original people that first talked about it so if you are down the rabbit hole and you start researching Rare Pepe's, you'll realize that long before the current crypto and NFT trends and art trends, Rare Pepe's had a thriving community and even their own marketplaces that were trading these rare and valuable assets, including just some really interesting art You know that is always very iconic and is fueled by what's going on. So it wasn't until 2017, much, much later, that the thing that a lot of people feel like kind of kicked it off really came into being, which was CryptoPunks. And CryptoPunks was an Ethereum project, not on the counterparty platform. So as we move through, I just wanted to mention some of the other things that I find really interesting. And we'll, you know, we're going to keep it pretty tight. And I was, I'm going to briefly mention how these assets are created, but I'm also going to put links within our live broadcast and in our podcast link so that you can come through explore and potentially start creating your own assets on the counterparty platform so i wanted to flash one more time the test asset this test asset now has some art that's uh, associated with it but just know that this art is associated with it now so that people have a better visual representation of what it means for the test asset to exist because when the item was originally minted and originally um created and even used as a test asset in the nft community it didn't have any art associated with it because the heart of NFTs themselves is not art. It's the certificate of authenticity that verifiably proves ownership or the fact that it, there's an existence and, an, and a number existing of a particular asset or a particular item or something associated with that asset or item. So I just wanted to flash that here because it's just very interesting. So as we come back through, I'm going to flash just a couple more things. So I'm going to go back, and I just want to flash back to the main page of the counterparty platform. What happens here is it gives you all the ability that you need to put things together. There is really good documentation here that will show you how to get started. And, you know, the, the broadest overview I can give is that, you know, the counterparty platform is a protocol that allows you to communicate um, and create assets and tokenize assets on the Bitcoin blockchain. Your assets are created pretty much instantly, and they're exchangeable peer-to-peer, -peer, and that the counterparty platform has a native token that's known as XCP, and the XCP token is used within the counterparty platform and within the counterparty um, ecosphere to create assets. So that is just something I wanted to flash through there. There is a way to create assets without using the XCP um, token, but the XCP token is one of the most vital aspects of the counterparty platform. 
So I'm going to flash over real quick and talk about how you can acquire and how you can get started with the Counterparty platform. So one of the things that you're going to need to be a part of the Counterparty platform to trade Counterparty assets and to create and mint your own Counterparty assets is you're going to need a wallet that is compatible with Counterparty assets. Now, not every Bitcoin wallet, and the Bitcoin is where is where everything lives for counterparty. So keep this in mind. This is different than Ethereum wallets. It's different than ERC twenty wall, you know, wallets. It's different than any of those. This is a completely separate and its own world kind of thing. So one that I suggest and one that I have used quite a bit in the past is Free Wallet. Free Wallet is a wallet that holds multiple types of um, currency, you know, from the Bitcoin platform and counterparty and several other different types of um, of issued coins. But it's also free. There is a mobile version. There is a iOS version. Uh, there is a desktop version. And this is just a, a, a vital part of becoming part of the counterparty ecosystem is to have a wallet such as the counterparty wallet itself or freewallet.io. Make sure you're doing freewallet.io. That is a different. And you're looking for this smiling um, billfold guy. Make sure that that is what the website you're ending up on if you're going to use free, uh, free wallet as your wallet. So once you have a free wallet, the next thing you're going to want to do is you're going to transfer over some Bitcoin from your from your exchange or from another Bitcoin-based wallet that you have, and it needs to be a Bitcoin-based uh, wallet, over into your counterparty or your free wallet wallet. So the easiest way that you can do that, you know, that I've done in the past is let's say you buy some Bitcoin over on Coinbase, and then you you copy your um, free wallet wallet ID, and then you take that back into Coinbase, and then you send the Bitcoin from Coinbase over to your free wallet. And it'll it'll happen very fast, and it'll be in there. And if you see in the example on the, on the screenshot here, the top asset that shows here is Bitcoin, and you can see where their Bitcoin is hanging out. So once you have some Bitcoin, and we won't go into the details of this because it will take you know an entire it's it's more like a tutorial than you know than a, a podcast. You go into the exchange on Bitcoin, uh, I mean on your free wallet once you have it open, and you'll be able to buy some XCP. And XCP is an asset that is necessary and um, needed in order to mint non-alphanumeric. Um, assets over on the counterparty platform. So I know we're all starting to glaze over so I'm going to keep it about the art and keep it about the, the about the stories from here. But just know that you know and, and I hope I'm able to get you started, download a free free wallet, go to the counterparty website and go to the documentation and this documentation will tell you everything that you need to know on how to create and mint your own assets on counterparty. And then the last thing I'd mention about that is once you have created your assets over on Counterparty, the next thing that you can do is go in and log into an account called CoinDaddy. And CoinDaddy is a secondary website that is complementary to the to the uh, Counterparty platform. And this particular um, platform enables you to manipulate and add um, information to your various assets. So I will show this asset, which is called Bad Robot. This is one of my assets that I created. And you can see where I've added the art and by taking. And what I did is I created a link on IPFS, which is the interplanetary file system, which is a way of storing your artwork permanently on the in a pointer on the blockchain. 
And it uh, gives me the ability under under this asset piece, image large, to put an image link to the image that goes along with bad robot. So when I look at bad robot, that is the image that I'll get. And I will quickly show you too what is what does it look like when I go to bad robot on the actual X chain XCP um, counterparty platform. So here's the item. This is bad robot from my collection known as Test Gallery. And you see that I am the artist, JL, the artist, so under artist name and category title. Under the description, I put the description. We've got number 11, Bad Robot from Test Gallery. All of the art in Test Gallery is produced by human training, an open source generative engine to paint pictures by analyzing a series of words and phrases in real time. The resulting art is unique and can never be reproduced. So there's the description of Bad Robot. So then if you go down next, you can see that the asset is locked true which means that additional quantity of the asset can never be produced. If I scroll back, I can show you, and you're a little more familiar if you've been um, watching or listening along. Now, under total supply, where you see that locked is true and divisible is false, which means you have to trade a single full-size icon, you know, one, one unit at a time, there are a total supply of 40 bad robots. So when it comes to bad robot, the piece of art I have created on Counterparty, there can never be more than 40, and no one can ever create another item called bad robot. So I will, you know, I will always be the artist of bad robot. There will always only be 40 of them total. And so finally, this is a piece of generative artwork. So, you know, if you are familiar with generative artwork or familiar with my artwork, then you will know that I like to make lots of really imaginative, interesting, and thought-provoking artwork. So this piece of artwork is called Bad Robot, and I hope that you can um, get a mind's eye if you're watching us on the video and understand why I call this Bad Robot. And if you're listening to the podcast, I will describe it real quickly. Bad Robot's a piece of generative art. I used a computer-based AI program where I programmed in words and phrases and in real time created pieces of non-reproducible art using my algorithm. And so this particular piece of art that came out I felt had a lot of different things going on with it. I thought it looked kind of like a robot standing, you know, in the darkness and then somebody coming towards them maybe with a flashlight. Some other people that have seen this piece of artwork think of it like you're looking through a windshield and you're looking out into the night. Maybe you're on a, you know, like you're inside of the robot itself and you're looking out through its eye. And, you know, that's that's one thing about my particular art is that it's meant to, you know, to make you think and be thought provoking. And also with this particular line of art called test gallery, I chose for the items to be more abstract. And so that it leaves a lot to the imagination as to what you think the art is. So not getting too deep into the rationale behind my own art, but understanding, you know, that over on the, 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 uh, the XCP counterparty platform, you have all this amazing art, including back to what I mentioned, these are also other pieces that are on the counterparty platform mainly. These amazing projects, such as Rare Pepe's and Saru Toby Island and Spell of Genesis and Olga, the test asset, just an entire ecosystem of amazing art and amazing you know, items going on. So one more link that I'll flash to you that I will put into the description is another great, better explanation that I can give of how to trade XCP NFTs on an Ethereum virtual machine network 
using some of the platforms that you've already are aware of. And the reason that I want to flash this is because there are ways using what's called Emblem Vault, which is a which is a project that utilizes a cryptocurrency called Koval, which is also known as Circuits of Value. So we use that particular combination of factors, Emblem Vault and the cryptocurrency Koval, so that we can, in a very complicated way, but it is a way that you, you know, by looking at this article that you could also do, you can take assets from the counterparty Bitcoin platform and wrap them into a vault that allows you to trade them and view them on the Ethereum blockchain. So if you're following me through all of that and you're excited by that, then you're probably even more excited now. And if this is the first time you've ever heard of such a concept, then go to the link in our description when you get a chance and just kind of glaze through all of the things that we're talking about here because it's explained in immense detail how to take items from the Bitcoin um, platform known as Counterparty and to wrap them in a emblem vault and to be able to take that emblem vault and bring that over to the Ethereum blockchain where you can buy, sell, and trade it just like a normal asset on the Ethereum blockchain. So that's something that is you know, a way that people are able to get access to these assets if they're wholly unfamiliar with the Bitcoin um, NFT-based platform. So here's just a real quick view of what one of the emblem vaults would look like over on the OpenSea platform. And by the time that you listen to this, maybe people aren't using OpenSea anymore as their favorite NFT platform. So just know that emblem vaults will be viewable on whichever NFT platform you choose to look at, including Looks Rare, including the uh, Coinbase NFT platform, Rarible, anywhere that you like to view your Ethereum-based NFTs, you'll be able to see from your wallet or from other people's wallets your emblem vault, which is a vault containing assets that have been wrapped from the counterparty platform. So I know that that's a lot to absorb, but just know that you can go back into all of the links that we have placed and you can get these amazing emblem vault and counterparty, you know, explainers. And you can, so you can understand these things without me, the way that I'm kind of having to rush through and just explain things on the fly so that we can, you know, keep it, keep it reasonable without having to, you know, explore every facet of these ideas. So the last thing that I'd like to flash is over to Twitter, just to, to give you a broad, just absolute basic overview of what people are thinking about when it comes to these historic assets. So what I've done is I've looked up on Twitter the words rare pepes, and I encourage you to do the same to see what the landscape is and see what pops up for you. So when I flash down through here, I'm just scrolling down and we're going to look at what just pops up. The first thing I see is don't sleep on rare pepes. They don't get as much attention on Twitter these days, but in terms of, quote, historical significance, they are one of the greats. So then you see binary pepe, pepe there, and that one is over on a pe rare pepe platform. And the current floor for, the, for that item is 975 Ethereum or $3 million. So at least the person who has listed this item does value it in that way. So you can see that there are people that feel that the value of these are very high. Again, we don't talk about or suggest values here on discussing art because we're talking about the history and the art and none of what we're saying is financial advice. So make sure to do your own research before even approaching any of these rare assets. So when I see these here, 
you see it some more appreciation, this slight appreciation in value. See people talking about, you know, like what they love and the values of these items. And I just wanted to flash through and just show a couple more interesting images. Rare Pepe's is a very meme like very like meme-based um, group of things. So, you know, if you're not into internet memes, these probably aren't going to hit quite the same as fine art or generative art or even some of the avatar projects that you may be used to. Um, but just keep in mind, the right person sees the right thing and they they do see the value there. So Pepe Pool with this very uh, interesting piece of art here that looks like it was made by potentially a young child. Um, you know, under the right circumstances with the right person, you know, those items are thought of as being quite legendary. And a lot of that that legendary status has to do with how old these items are. Because no matter what we think about, you know, the art itself, if we're talking about an NFT project that was created in 2021 and an NFT project that was created in 2015, there's a certain separation that can't be denied between the two things. So it's just something to notice. And as I flash through here, you know, you see there's just a lot of other people chatting about Rare Pepe's. And if you were interested in learning more about historic NFTs or counterparty assets or Rare Pepe's, I highly encourage you to go over to Twitter and look up something like Rare Pepe's and start to just get a landscape of what people are talking about when it comes to these items. So that's something I just wanted to flash there. Um, and one other quick thing I'll flash here because it's very it's very interesting when it comes to the new and um, current landscape of you know digital items coming from the counterparty platform is here's an artist named Fa Fake Rares XCP, and that's just another joke. There's a lot of jokes and and funny memes that go around with the you know the uh, the whole. Uh, um, meme culture that's centered around NFTs. So there is a funny, you know, series called Fake Rares, and by calling themselves Fake Rares, you know, they they let you know that they they um it's another joke. So just just putting it out there, if if that seems like a very strange thing to call something, it is a strange thing to call something. But we're basing this all off meme culture. So the last thing I want to show you there is a brand new project that has um, only um, been produced and minted in the last few months. And this is artwork that is associated with tokens that were um, created and, um, and minted by Fake Rares in um, collaboration with the, the um, historic classic hip-hop artist Ghostface Killa from the Wu-Tang Clan. So this particular piece of art is a lot of different references to things in the Ghostface Killa world, and it's also been Rare Pepe-fied. So this is a combination of those kind of assets. And so that's something that I thought was really interesting is that you've got this Rare Pepe's slash, you know, um, slash a, a, um, a Ghostface Killa asset that's out there. And so I'm just flashing through here and just showing some of the ideas behind fake rares. There's actually some just straight gorgeous, incredible artwork that flows through a lot of this. There's incredible, you know, it's incredibly diverse. The things that people find, you know, most intriguing, you know, vary quite a bit. And so that's just why I wanted to flash through, you know, uh, some of these fake rare ideas so that you can just get an idea of what that landscape is like. And, you know, just letting you know that this is just yet another facet of historic NFTs. Rare Pepe's, you know, is not the only thing out there. You know, there's there's the test asset. There's um, the spell of Genesis and Tor, uh, uh, Sarutobi Island, and many other just amazing and valuable assets that also hold intense, you know, uh, 
intrinsic value to their collectors. But you know, depending on who you ask, these I, these assets could be considered iconic and historic for a lot of reasons. So it's something that I really enjoy and something that I was really excited to be able to bring to you and really explore. So as we round out here, um, Mr. Logan Landers, I'll give you your final word on what you've learned and how you feel about, you know, learning about you know, the uh, counterparty platform and some of the rare, you know, historic assets over on that platform. Yeah. I mean, just, just seeing some of the, like you said, the rare artwork over there and just kind of, kind of where all this kind of came from. Right. Cause We've seen some very rare stuff from back when it first started back in, uh, you know, like you said, approaching the, the eight year anniversary in a couple of days uh, in 2014, all the way up to kind of current stuff. Uh, like you said, the rare Pepe meme is, is iconic. Everyone knows what it is if, you, if you've been around the Internet for uh, some amount of time now. And um, the Ghostface Killer collab is pretty dope. That looks really cool. And j- just kind of also going through the um, the techno- technological side of it, like you did, and um, really kind of helping understand, uh, you know, myself and, and anyone else who's watching or listening, just kind of the, the technological side of all of this and breaking it down in a in an easy to understand, digestible way, uh, you know, and, and uh, you did a great job with that. And then, oh, I mean, overall, like you said, with Counterparty, um, it, it's a really dope system. And I mean, like you said, you're flashing some really cool artwork there, like some cards on the screen there, uh, like the Satoshi and uh, all, all the other uh, really great artwork. And uh, it's it, like I said, it's just another chapter um, right in, in this NFT community that, that I'm learning about. And I think it's it's overall just it, it's helping build my knowledge of the NFT community tenfold. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's really fun to explore these, um, you know, and. Me as an NFT archaeologist, I can get very caught up in the nuance of some of these things. And so could, you know, a lot of our other really great friends, you know, they, um, they're NFT archaeologists. There's so much nuance to what's going on in the historic NFT world that it just really is, you know, an exciting time to be a part of that. And one other thing that I hear that, you know, NFT archaeologists talk about pretty much nonstop is the fact that no matter what new projects are released, no matter how many new ideas come about, no matter where the metaverse goes from here, no matter where NFTs and the blockchains go from here, there will never be new historic assets. The historic assets that currently exist are finite. And in theory, because of people losing the keys to their wallets or items being destroyed or intentionally burned or items you know, falling out of favor and stuff like that, there will only be fewer and fewer historic NFT assets, just like rare paintings of physical artists back in the day. There's no telling how many Leonardo da Vinci's that are lost to the ages. Well, in that same way, there's no telling how many Nakamoto cards will be lost to the ages, diminishing the total supply over time and making the final, you know, final, you know, items that do exist you know, that more collectible and, you know, that more revered and sought after. So it's just something really interesting to keep an eye on and just to know about, because I'll tell you this, you know, cryptocurrency is a very volatile place to be, but I personally like to spend time over with counterparty, with the Bitcoin counterparty platform, with the Ethereum platform and with other, you know, network chains, because I love art. I love discussing art. And I love learning about the history of not only the contemporary and historic art world, 
but of this burgeoning digital art world that we're all a part of. And I hope that these these episodes, which is another reason that we keep things very much about the history here on Discussing Art, I hope that these episodes find you year after year. And if you come back and listen to them, I hope that you learn something more and get your interest sparked year after year about these historic assets. And I hope that we're able to do you know follow-up episodes 10, 20 years from now, where we talk again about these same assets and understand exactly where their place in history begins to form out once we've got some true distance from their creation. Because in all reality, digital artwork in the form of cryptographic artwork has only been around for about 10 years at the most total in the history of mankind. And so that means that if you were to look at a 10-year-old child and look at all of these assets, just know that those things are the same age right now. So these assets have a lot of time to mature and to continue to become leg even further legendary than they are currently thought of now within the NFT archaeology community. The mainstream community will begin to find pieces, maybe something like Olga, that are considered the absolute masterpieces of the early digital art world. So thank you so much for watching this episode of Discussing Art. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, and thank you to all of our podcast listeners across all of the different platforms that have been listening to us. It's because of all of your amazing feedback, listening to our podcast, subscribing and downloading, that we are able to bring this to you every single week, and that we absolutely are growing and loving all the responses you're getting. So leave us you know, a comment, you know, and just let us know you're there, and just let us know what you think about the show. And if you're watching us live on YouTube, Twitch, or over on uh, Twitter, then thank you again so, so much for being here with us. It's because of you, again, that we're able to bring this live video version of it and give you these great visuals so that you can match that up and understand what's amazing about the art itself. So while you know we love all our listeners and we love all our viewers, we're just excited to be here for you and to be able to discuss art week after week. So I am your host, Mr. Jeremiah Long, a.k.a. JL the Artist, and I have been joined by my dude, NFT Logan, as we discuss art and this week, we've been discussing the Counterparty BTC platform and some of the historic items over on the Bitcoin Counterparty platform, including Rare Pepe's, Spell of Genesis, Sorotobi Island, and of course, the Test Asset. So thank you so much, and we'll be back again with another live episode of Discussing Art.